Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School, where drawing, painting, and sculpture are studied in depth, debated energetically, and created with passion. The school's full-time programs, a two-year MFA degree, and a three-year certificate program focus on experimental learning and sustained studio courses. Both programs invite students to focus on painting or sculpture, with drawing as an integral foundation for the creative production. Each member begins a two-week drawing or sculpture marathon to generate momentum and expands one's range of strategies for future studio work. Since its inception, the New York Studio School has emphasized rigorous learning through direct experience. The applications for fall 2020 are due January 15, 2020, which is coming up. Apply online today at nyss.org or schedule a tour to learn more by emailing info at nyss.org. And Sound and Vision is also supported by Golden Artist Colors, making the best paints from acrylics, mediums, Williamsburg oils, core watercolors, and much more. If you would like to support this podcast that brings visits with artists and musicians directly to you, you can now join the Sound and Vision Patreon. If you visit www.patreon.com slash soundandvisionpodcast, you can donate and get mentioned on the pod and even a personal sketch and thank you sent to you. You could also leave a review on iTunes or share the show with a friend. Listeners like you help this podcast stay afloat. As always, thanks for listening and your support. Will Hutnick is an artist and curator based in Wasaic, New York. He received his MFA from Pratt in Brooklyn and his BA from Providence College in Providence, Rhode Island. He's had recent solo exhibitions at Standard Space in Connecticut, St. Thomas Aquinas College in Spark Hill, New York, One River School in Hartsdale, New York, and Providence College Galleries in Providence. Recent group exhibitions include LVL3 Gallery in Chicago, Tiger Strikes Asteroid in Brooklyn, Vox Populi in Philadelphia, Paradise Palace in Brooklyn, and Jeffrey Young Gallery in Massachusetts. Will has curated exhibitions at Spring Break Art Show, Ortega y Gasset Projects, Trestle Projects, Wasaic Project, and Pratt Institute. He's been an artist-in-residence at Yaddo, the Hambridge Center, the Elizabeth Murray Artist Residency by Collarworks, DNA Gallery, Wasaic Project, Vermont Studio Center, and a curator in residence at Benaco Art and Trestle Projects. Will is the co-director of Ortega y Gasset Projects, an artist-run curatorial collective and exhibition space in Brooklyn, and is currently the residency director at the Wasaic Project, a nonprofit organization that uses art and art education to foster positive social change. Will stopped by my studio while he was in Brooklyn for a chat about his growing up playing cello, growing up in Long Island, school in Providence, moving to the city, then back upstate, and all his curatorial projects and residency projects and a lot more. Here's Will and I in conversation. What is Do that again? Great. We can, we can have, there's so yeah there'll be numerous hand signals or all the things. Let's just put this closer. We feel like we're gonna have a lo- good. we're gonna have a lot to talk about because you are busy. Yes, I don't even. I feel like when I look over someone's bio and sort of 
or just look at their site or yeah, yeah. think about, okay, this person's doing this, this and that. Like, okay, I want to talk, I want to touch on these, these things. And there's a couple of things there. But <laughs> yours, it feels much more dense and there's like a lot of stuff going on to where I, I can't, I don't even know <laughs> all the things that you're up to. There's, there's a lot of things. I feel like I've, um, I'm actually trying to, you know, that said, I'm, I'm, I think I'm trying to make 2020 maybe the year of no, or at least like very more mindful yeses, because I think I got into a, a, you know, a scenario in the last few years of not saying yes to everything, but more so saying yes to like all the things. And then they kind of just perfect storm kind of pile and happen simultaneously. And then I'm just left you know, pretty depleted after a few months and, you know, reload and like hibernate for a day and then go back into it. Um, so this is a resolution. This is, I think I, yeah, I never, I'm not really big on resolutions at all, but, um, I just, I just want to be like, yeah, more mindful and respectful of my time right? because that's, um, I mean, almost 35, I guess at some point I should be taking into account. Yeah. my, My time a little more and, um, not just be like, go 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 yeah like and cram as much as possible isn't it it's a feeling of like well i I always have that feeling of well you're lucky to have opportunities i know it's hard to turn anything down and you feel almost guilty like absolutely i should do this i mean if i don't want to do it i should do it it's definitely like yeah a pretty you know privileged position to be in to like say no to opportunities and for things to come up um you know, so I, I, I definitely recognize that. Um, but I think, uh, you know, there's, there's a, of course, there's a hustle that is involved being in New York. And then just, I think just being an artist in general is just a hustle. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, after leaving school for me, um, I finished Pratt in 2011. Um, I mean, there was like no exhibitions coming. There was like no opportunities. And so there was a kind of conscious decision and a conscious moment to, okay, I, it's time to like be proactive. Let's get some shows happening. Let's like make one or two pop-up shows. We started a crit night, just like do things because, you know, those opportunities weren't coming. You know, it was like kind of demystifying the process of just like waiting in the studio for whoever to knock on the door. And they're like, uh, solo show for this person right here. Right. right. Um, because yeah, I, that's, that's like, I feel like that's something that there's two kinds of people. Yeah. The ones that are just going to wait around and get kind of bummed out because things aren't happening. And then those who are like, okay, well, I've got to, I've got to make my, some, something happen for myself here. Mm. And that's not easy to do, Yeah, yeah. but that's kind of like a genetic thing, I think, isn't it? Or like a family, like, did you grow up with that instilled in you to like make things happen? Uh, or is it just your personality type? Or? I think it's just me. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always re- um, remembered kind of kind of doing that hustle yeah whether it was like art or um i mean in like junior high and high school like i was like pulling all-nighters like left and right just for you know normal like schoolwork and homework right like my mom would have to like find me on the kitchen table and be like uh go to bed (laughs) it's it's too late yeah she's like what what time is it like where are we what year is this yeah um so it's it's natural for you it's it's natural for me yeah. yeah it's like and to be um it's, I don't think necessarily too busy. Maybe like lately it's been a little too much, but to kind of compartmentalize and be fairly good or adequate about like time management. Yeah. And like this thing goes here, this goes here and kind of knowing what's what. Um, but yeah, that's, um, I don't know. It's like not my, 
my parents like appreciated the drive but like they didn't you know they weren't like pushing me it wasn't like a stage mom thing where she's like sing out like dance faster it was it was definitely kind of just on my own where I I kind of wanted to like I mean I was like kind of a nerd in high school yeah I was like I was like straight A's like great i was like i want that yeah you know well do you think if uh, i mean this is a weird hypothetical but do you think if let's say you got out of school and someone came to your to your studio within like two weeks of you being out Mm -hmm. and said okay we're gonna sign you on a contract here for 30 solo shows over the next 40 years (laughs) and you have nothing to worry about just make your work do you think you would still be doing all the peripheral things to the extent you're doing so was it purely like yeah. making things happen for yourself or do you think that you would be doing prints and mm. additions and collaborations and you know residencies and all that do you know what i mean how much uh, of it is yeah. is kind of a necessity of of getting yourself out there and how much of it is just something that you internally kind of like doing yeah that's a good question um i definitely think it's it's definitely more of an internal thing yeah i think you know maybe the impetus post pratt was to like let's get something, let's get the ball rolling because it's, it's not happening elsewhere, you know, to mm-hmm. sit around. But, you know, even when that was happening, I mean, I was, um, working two jobs. I was playing with the Brooklyn symphony orchestra, like pretty much full time, like playing kickball, like, you know, still cobbling together kind of, yeah. you know, all of these things. So I, I think, yeah, even if I was full time in the studio, I think there would definitely be ways to like, oh, here's going to be this project space. I'm going to do this and train for that. So I I think that's just like built into my, my hardware. Yeah. I think that's like the DNA um, for better or worse is just to, to, um, you know, go, just go and, and, and hustle. Yeah. That resolution is going to be tough. I know it's going to be March. (laughs) Yeah. My husband's like, if he's, if whenever this airs and he listens, he's going to be like, you know, screaming and cheering. Yeah. yeah. It's on tape. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, you're accountable. (laughs) You said it out loud. So it's got to happen. Oh man. Never do a podcast in the first two weeks of a year. Cause those resolutions are forever. (laughs) I know it's your plan all along. Well, it's, it's, it's a sliding scale. Like, you know, saying no for some people is just cutting back on one or two things as opposed to like 50. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm the opposite of where I'm, I'm not particularly, or mm. I wasn't social. And I actually enjoy being in a room by myself making pictures. Just, I mean, I did it for years and years and years without being very social at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some close friends coming over, but not like massive studio visits or out. No residencies, none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, no teaching at that point. And then I think it just, I kind of, learn to do it out of, mm. you know what I mean? Out of a, a slight necessity of having a son and then having to do school things and be more social in that sense. Yeah. yeah. And then just, um, reigniting and, and learning and like kind of loving again, that making those studio visits and like having those friends and, mm. you know, like so you it's get really, back into it. Yeah. It's rewarding. Yeah. I think yeah, sometimes yeah. like you go into a hibernation and then you come out and you're like, Oh, the sun, it's really nice. And the leaves, mm-hmm. you know, but you have to go into that cave for a while to really appreciate it when you come out. Yeah. 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 I know. I, I think, I mean, I definitely agree. I, I actually feel like I get more, more energy and more energized, like kind of being on my own and being, you know, in the studio or reading or, you know, I go for runs like maybe four or five days a week. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I'm like most the, this, 
a very seemingly, you know, like a, a very extroverted introvert. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, I, I kind of surround myself in all these like social scenarios and I really love like connecting people and making opportunities happen for other artists and other people and connecting those dots. Um, but yeah, maybe ultimately it's like how to recharge my batteries is, and, and maybe this is something that I have had to learn as well is to, to actually like take that step back and recognizing, oh, you know, this run isn't just for like, you know, your uh, physical health. Like that run is so important to like recharge batteries and to like get your mental health in order yeah. and to get that in check. Um, so I think having a few of those moments throughout the day or at least, you know, every once in a while, like a longer period of time. Yeah, that's becoming like more and more important. Yeah, it's so healthy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because I think all artists in some sense are introverts because when you're in your world yeah. of making your work, you kind of have to get lost in a way. Mm-hmm. Or you don't have to, but I think a lot of people do. You know what I mean? You kind of Yeah. It's you and your brain and and pictures or mm-hmm. things that you're making and you kind of have to get lost in that, you know. And I think and I think to make then the work more like specific and individual and like more personal. Yeah. You know, I think that's, and that's like a hard, like vulnerable place to be. And definitely, I feel like I'm, I'm only kind of like tiptoeing or like in that place, like now, but I think for me throughout like grad school or, you know, even your years post, you know, it was like hard to facilitate that space and make that space like actually a thing right. or the values like surrounding that. Yeah. It's an odd way of comp- compartmentalizing communication because making art is communicating in a way Mm -hmm. right and then you're doing all this other kind of communication around the work and then in your day-to-day but Mm -hmm. they're very specific to very specific things do you know what i mean yeah yeah whereas like if you're well maybe it's the same like if you're a newscaster or something that's a a a very direct way of communicating it's your job you know what i mean this deals with you know, saying what's happening, but I'm sure there's all sorts of idiosyncrasies to that too. It's just interesting. Like, you know, this, this way of communicating by yourself, usually most artists are working, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, some collaborate, but a lot of times it's just you in a room Mm -hmm. and then how you communicate outside of that. It's very different. So different. And then even what you think is like, like a work is communicating or doing or like whatever, like once someone else sees it or it's out in the world or even just like an image is like through social media, I mean, then it's communicating something completely different right? and out of your control. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's such a, it's such a difficult like challenge to grapple, but I'm, um, but it, you know, obviously in the best way, like we wouldn't be doing it if, right. if it was just like easy or if it was just like this one-to-one form of communication. Yeah. It's just so different, you know, mm-hmm. than a lot of other ways to communicate, which is really... Now, when you were little, mm-hmm. were you a drawer or did you make things? Oh, yeah. And was that sort of this way of communicating in a way? You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. feel like when you're really young, that's a way to get out Totally. Ideas. Yeah. I, I, I always remember drawing and having crayons and just like a ton. Mm-hmm. Like, my, my mom always tells a story that she would yell at her mom for being like, you know, William doesn't need any more crayons. Like, stop getting him crayons. <laughs> They're just like everywhere. Um, but yeah, that's. Um, I mean, uh, I was actually re- recently looking at some like old, and by old drawings, I mean like I'm like three or four. You know, like my mom saves everything, so they're like yeah. you know two two or a few drawings around the home in Long Island, and I can like recognize like oh yeah like that was that was a fun moment or like that took a long time that was like a considered thing even being like 
for. Yeah. But that was, I guess, yeah, how is before I knew what I was doing. Like that was like how you attempt to communicate. Definitely. But yeah, that that was always like um, kind of just always my my go to. Brothers and sisters. Uh, I have one brother. I have a twin mm. brother. Twins. Yeah. Did I know that? I feel like I didn't know that. Uh, probably not. Identical or fraternal? We're fraternal. I feel like we don't look too much alike. He's like, maybe he's like four inches taller than I am. Mm-hmm. Pat is his name. Um, yeah, he's great. We're close. He lives up in Albany. Mm-hmm. Um, Politician? He, uh, he is not. Not in politics? <laughs> no, thank God. <laughs> or maybe he should be. That and then could I can, be like, good. Yeah, actually, I take you that want back. someone in Albany. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. He's like, right, he went to school in Siena, and so then he met his wife, and now they live um, in a little suburb right outside of Albany. You know. Wait, is he creative? No. He, uh, he now works for this company called Paychex, like a mm-hmm. payroll system. Yeah. Um, whatever. He was working for Enterprise for a little bit, and then managing some um, Aldi like supermarkets. Do yeah. you know Aldi? I it's like don't. it's like the same supermarket as like Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. So they have the same parent company, but Trader Joe's just like brands and packages packages things how they want it, and then Aldi does like the generic whatever. But Aldi? it's like this, Aldi, but like, it's the same exact product. Where are they? Are they here? Um, I don't know if there's any in the city. There's like one or two in Long Island. Mm-hmm. There's like a handful upstate ish. But it's like a Trader Joe's. It's like a Trader Joe's, but it's like, it's pretty like affordable and it's kind of like catered to low-income families. But a lot of times it's, you know, according to my brother, you know, I have no other research other than yeah. listening to him, but right, it, right. he was saying it's a lot of this, yeah, the same products and they just like package whatever. So you're like, these fake like Cheerios are just actually the same thing. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it's, so it's just the two of us. Um, and um, Age difference? Uh, I'm older by 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, someone's got to be older. Someone's got to be older, yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was me. It's um, such an interesting... I mean, twins is an interesting... <laughs> my dad's a twin. Oh, yeah? My mom had twins that didn't make it before me, in mm-hmm. between me and my brother. And I think there's, like, in the grandparent... It, it's, there's, like, a twin gene going on there. Oh, yeah. Which is... I mean, it's an aggressive gene. Yeah. <laughs> there, You know, we don't have any twins in the family. My parents were a little older when they had us, um, like, for the, at the time. Like, mm-hmm. they were... I think they were both 40. And so, um, and I was like, we were born in 85. So when they had us, like basically all of their friends already had kids who were like, you know, in their twenties. So it's almost like a generation was skipped. So I think my mom, they had a very difficult time getting pregnant and you know, all the things. So I think we were like, not necessarily genetic, like twins. It was like enhanced. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) These like drugged out twins that came into the world. Like we were like two months premature, I think I was, um, you know, less than like four pounds. Like it, it's hard, right? I mean, they always, they say that it's something when you're an expecting parent, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's all this talk about the age of the mother and how important that is. And, oh, you should have like people at the hospital. It's oh, yeah, best yeah. to have kids when you're like 20, which doesn't really happen much, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? But, yeah. but they talk about how Not it can now, be yeah. very difficult the older you get. So. Yeah. I think especially like at that time yeah that was like you know early 80s for them trying and then right you know um um but yeah no yeah there's so there's two of us and and long island long island what part what part of long island? uh east islip oh right do you know like yeah, area ish or south shore yeah so i know nothing about long island i mean okay. i've never really gone out way out on long island but i did do the islip residency 
Oh, yeah. At what? the carriage house? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like two seconds away from where we live. Yeah, which is seriously my only experience with Long Island. Nice. Other than like going to soccer games that are not too far out. Yeah, You yeah. know what I mean? But, but actually going out on the island, mm-hmm. that was pretty much my experience which was great and nice. I mean, it was when my son was really young and there's like a playground right there oh yeah brickwood hall yeah. yeah so i would have like the studio that was like a garage door gate that would open okay it was a huge studio yeah yeah i didn't know what to do with it <laughs> what, what what year is this i don't because i don't know if they're actually i think it ended i think it ended a few years ago yeah it ended i think two maybe one or two years after i did it okay it yeah, was, I was so terrible. They decided <laughs> they're like, we have to burn this building to the ground. <laughs> like, yeah, we got to get rid of this. Um, yeah, it was I, great. I, I've heard, you know, I've heard good experiences from other people. Um, I mean, in like high school or even like college, like it was. I, I visited a, f- a handful of times. Yeah, I mean, it was never on the radar. Um, I, I, you know, obviously, I wish if it was like still rocking or whatever that it would. Because now in retrospect, I'm like, oh wait, there was this like big contemporary art residency program that yeah. was like two seconds away but um yeah but growing up i mean we went to the museum a few times which is right there which is right there which yeah. you know i did okay work yeah um but it was great to see this big old house filled with art um yeah it was a cool uh, thing i mean it was basically here's a studio do your thing did you live there too or were you in the city and going no i was commuting just yeah. because family st- you know it was um, I wasn't at the place to where I could just stay there. And I think there was one guy who stayed there and the other, one of the other residency residents mm, um, gotcha. didn't stay either. So it was, you know, a basically I would drive out in the morning and work all day and mm. then just leave at like rush hour to go back to yeah. the city. Kind of like opposed traffic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like as oh, yeah, everyone's yeah. going in, I'm going out. Yeah. Sort of you're deal. like, peace. Yeah. yeah. But it was great. It was a huge studio and, you know, there was a great donut shop on that main street in Islip. I forget <laughs> the name of it. And then we would go to the beach sometimes, which was oh, right yeah. there. So Yeah. Because it was in the summer. So it was nice. It was kind of a nice setup. But yeah, that's, that's my experience with Islip. Okay. How was it growing up there? It was it was good. It was I mean sports, isn't it sports ish? Super sports. Wasn't Boomer Sison from there? Like this big football. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gra- he graduated from our high school. Yeah. Um, you know, and whatever he did he whatever year he did that. Um, yeah, I mean, we grew up playing soccer from when we were like preschool or kindergarten, like when, whenever you would stop, start playing soccer, right. that was like, you know, um, that was just like the thing to do. Everyone. It's big on the, I mean, there's a lot of teams out in for sure that are really good. Yeah. Soccer. We, we never played lacrosse, but lacrosse was also like a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I played tennis throughout, you know, um, high school as well. I ran track for like a little bit, but soccer was like the big thing. Like that right. was my thing. And you played it through school. I played it through, we always did like intramural and then like travel. Mm-hmm. And then I did it for one year in high school in like ninth grade. Um, and I was like, I'm like, I was like pretty good. I mean, I was always the shortest kid, but it doesn't, I'd say, it doesn't matter. It soccer. doesn't matter in soccer. I mean, I was also one of the fastest and like pretty scrappy out there. Yeah. Like I would like, you know, run into anyone and I was playing uh, left like midfield. Right. Um, because so I was you, have pretty, to, you have to run a lot because I've run a lot. Yeah. And I was like, I love running. This yeah. is great. Um, and I kick lefty too, or I can Perfect. kick both. But le- so lefty's like my wild card. Um, but I did a year of, of high school soccer and then, um, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't enjoy <laughs> everyone else that was right. except for like one or two people who was like kind of friends with on the team. It was like such like a bro very like hyper-masculated, um, masculine environment that, yeah you know, wasn't really my jam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
I was glad that I gave it a shot for a year in official, like, you know, um, like JV. But then I was like, I'm kind of just like torturing myself. I was like, I love to play, but I kind of hate being in this environment. Yeah. It's different than a travel team because travel team, it's like you see them at certain times you go yeah. in high school. It's like, you're always around these people. Oh, it was like, it was like five days of, you know, a week of practice and it was like all the time. And then to, yeah, not really like jam or gel with like, you know, who you're with. Yeah. I'm like, this is miserable. Right. (laughs) I'm like, not uh, worth it. Yeah. I was like, this bro environment is not for me. Yeah. But I, I, I miss soccer a lot. I like, I kind of have recurring soccer dreams, Mm -hmm. maybe like once a week. You know, once every, yeah. you know, two weeks or so. That's pretty significant. Yeah. It must be in there. You oh, should, yeah. I mean, well, you're not living in the city, but... No. I mean, I still play. There's so many old old dude leagues, which is so much... <laughs> it's nice because you can play with guys who, you know, and girls who, who are like, okay, we all have to work tomorrow. Let's not, like, go crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. you can put it in context. That's true, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, I, sometimes when you play with younger people, they're just trying way too hard and you, you feel like okay this might be my retirement if i can yeah. <laughs> take an injury here yeah you're like uh we're, we're not out to win the world cup you're exactly. like you're not like t- you know simmer down a little bit here yeah. you're still playing right or? Yeah, yeah yeah but i play with like you know coaches league like older guys so yeah it's you know it's manageable yeah <laughs> nice um was art big in school did you have a good teacher or what was the ice lip art <laughs> It art was, class like we had a pretty um yeah i think we had a pretty strong like um uh art program good uh, teacher yeah i had a great teacher yeah uh, mr Mahler, who um uh matthew Mahler is a great painter who's based in somewhere in the city mm-hmm. i think ridgewood maybe bushwick um i don't know if you know his work but I don't. um but i curated well this is it's not even a great story but basically yeah his his dad was my high school like our teacher who oh, I like cool. I loved and he was f- phenomenal. Um, and so we've, we've reconnected like once or twice since high school Yeah, from like seeing, you know, Matt uh, Mahler out in the, like the real world. Right. Um, but yeah, he was great. I mean, we uh, basically mostly taking, I think painting probably some drawing classes in high school. Um, I don't know. It was, it, it was fun. It wasn't like, I, I would say that was probably more when I was like more so like on my own. Yeah. You know, I feel like there was like art kids who were like into like really cool music and they were like more so like kind of like punk kids or like goth or whatever. And like they were, they were doing their thing. And I think I was just kind of just like in my bubble, like in the corner in the table and I'm just like, you know, painting whatever. I mean, it was a lot of still lifes who would like set up in the center of the space. Yeah. Um, that's cool. But, Starting from the basics, you know? Oh, yeah. It was all still as. ground up. Um, but it was great. And I also, like, I'm all, I am also play the cello. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that was actually probably one of my biggest, like, high school experiences. Right. That was, was like, one of the most important, yeah. or not important, but yeah, I don't know how you would describe it. It was uh, the bigger part of your day, in a way. I think so. So like, the music program was good? Music program was great. Yeah. When did a- you start cello? Because you have to be a certain age, right? Yeah, uh, I think in elementary school, everyone can play the violin violin when they're in like third grade, if they wanted to. And then for whatever reason, you know, at the end of the year, they're like, okay, well, you can stick with violin or pick something different. And I just saw the cello and I was like, "Uh, that one. Right. I was like, let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, So that's how you were introduced to 
music in a way or playing music? Yeah. Or did you play piano or other things before that? Uh, nope. No, no piano. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't have the, like, I feel like I have a decent memory, but sometimes like, I don't know, from oh, yeah. eight and younger, I'm like, what's <laughs> That's a little blurry. Yeah. I was like, yeah, where yeah. was I? <laughs> Long Island check. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I don't quite remember. I, I definitely didn't pay, play the piano, but I, I can't remember if there was something else like music thrown in the mix. But yeah, cello from like fourth grade onwards. And then um, I had a great teacher in junior high school, Mrs. Fisher, who also um, taught private or taught the, you know, the cellist in high school. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal orchestra, orchestra conductor in high school. Um, and it was a pretty big kind of robust program yeah like i mean we, it has to be if cello is part of it because i feel like a lot of high school junior mm, high bands yeah middle school you know you have some brass and woodwinds but i don't know about cello we yeah i mean we had like that's deep end of the pool <laughs> <laughs> there was um i mean there was a separate band in high school and then the orchestra and the orchestra must have had like you know we had at least a dozen cellists really yeah was it a big school um maybe we graduated with like 300 ish people yeah. like per per year right not um, not gargantuan but not small yeah it's like decent yeah like you kind of knew everyone ish right um like in your year and then after that it's kind of like who are you right and you're like i recognize seeing you sometimes yeah, yeah. except for like people in orchestra right um but yeah it was great that's when i really um i made some you know very close friends and friends who i'm still like close to um from orchestra and um, yeah, it, I mean, it was great. That was, that's like, I think like my high school experience, yeah. and like playing in the pit orchestra for, we did, um, a chorus line and I forgot the other musical, but did you have, um, opportunities to play outside of school in different concerts or anything? There or was, was it mostly in house, mostly in house. There was definitely like the, the, the high school orchestra would travel, um, throughout the state, like here and year, yeah. here and there for for competitions, um, like at Six Flags every year, there was like a big high school competition. Um, that's but a, I, that's a fun venue for a, oh my god, a yeah. music competition. Yeah, they're like, well, and I mean, I loved like playing anyway. So they're like, do you want to play your cello? I'm like, yes. And they're like, you're going to Six Flags. Yeah. You're in high school. Everyone like, you know, right. loses their shit. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I'd say, I think after high school I was, well, maybe, maybe throughout there were some other opportunities to play like here and there in little groups or mm-hmm. like definitely, um, every year you individually, you would, um, compete, uh, NISMA, I think it's, it's definitely called, um, where you'd, you know, practice all year, one piece, and then you'd go before, you know, a panel of a few kind of professionals yeah, and they kind of just like rank you and then you'd maybe be eligible for like the Long Island symphony or like the New York state, whatever symphony. Right. Um, so it was like pretty nerdy, but pretty phenomenal. Yeah. It's great. I mean, when you graduated, what was the plan? Cause you went to school in Providence, right? I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, I went to Providence college. So how did that decision happen? That decision? Um, I don't want to say it seems random, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> what drew you there? I mean, cause you have music, you have, it seemed like you were athletic yeah, and you know, there's academics and there's creativity. I mean, what drew you, what was that decision like? So I, I applied to like a bajillion schools for like undergrad, maybe like 12, maybe 15, just to, you know, kind of see what happens. Yeah. And, um, every school at least needed an art and music program in like various 
you know, degrees. Any art schools or just schools? Just, just schools. Right. I kind of, um, at the time I really didn't want a specific art school. I think it was a mix of, um, I think not like giving myself enough license or to be as vulnerable to go into that. Mm-hmm. I definitely, I don't think, I mean, I definitely wasn't ready as well, Right. but I think I, I wanted, really wanted to go to a liberal arts school to really, you know, um, have a well-rounded education right. as my parents would push slash say. Yeah. Um, not that it was all on them, but I, I was like kind of definitely agreed. Um, so I think I, I just applied to a bunch of liberal arts schools um, and then slowly kept like whittling down the pile until like maybe there was like a top like four or five. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, oh, Providence College is still in the mix. And my cousin, Carrie, who I'm really close with, who's only a year older, um, she was at Providence. Okay. So then I went to go visit her. You know, we had a great night partying in her dorm room and yeah. her friends. And I was like, oh, this is a great kind of environment. Yeah. I was like, I can see myself here. Right. I mean, it was a pretty s- small art department. And halfway through my time at PC, they got a, a brand new music building, which was pretty phenomenal. But prior to that, it was like pretty weak and... Um, yeah, just like I was, you know, going from a high school of like 12 cellists and like a huge orchestra to um, like one cellist and there was like 20 people. And yeah, different like, scene. But do you, yeah. you played in college? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. kind of went into a, pro- was it a program or was it just something you did on the side? More, you know? more so side. Yeah. I feel like I probably spend the majority of my time um, in the music building and in like every ensemble that called for a cellist, or even mm. if they didn't, they were just like, just give Will something to do. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll he'll join. Um, my good friend Jen played the violin, and we went to high school together, and then went to college, and then were together at, at PC. And sh- and she's a phenomenal violinist, so we the two of us kind of got roped into like all the things. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. Um, I wasn't studying music theory at that point. I took like one music theory class, and it actually was. I found it incredibly boring Um, and that kind of shattered dreams to, you know, double down and kind of pursue music like full time. Yeah. Cause I was like good, but I I wasn't like, not like a prodigy where I would just, you know, be a professional. Right. Um, So, so yeah, so I, I, um, uh, but yeah, I definitely spend, I'd say the majority of my time in the music building and then, you know, always trucking away with art. Yeah. I was going to say, how did art enter the picture as far as, that moment when you thought, oh, this is something I really like or want mm. to do. I, I went into PC um, as an art major. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think going in, I I, I kind of just recognized that that was something. Um, I mean, I had no idea what being an artist entailed or anything. Um, right, it's not like you were thinking career. You were just like, oh, I like this. Yeah. I was, I was like, I love to paint. So I'll just keep continue painting and, and making um, and like being creative. I think that was the kicker too for me for like music is like, I love performing. Um, but you're, you know, you're performing, you know, and anyone else's music and like, especially like old white dudes who are from, you know, 16, 1700s and yeah. prior. And so, um, technically you can be proficient and good and perfect and all that jazz. Um, but it wasn't like fulfilling like some creative juices, you know, that, yeah. that spark of originality or, anything kind of being unique was, was something that I recognized in art earlier on that I really wanted to, um, yeah, dive into. And you never played in any bands like outside of just playing music, music. Uh, no, 
No, I. So you uh, didn't really have an opportunity for music to be that kind of release, right? You know what I'm saying? Because like, yeah, some that's people true. Will, they play cello, but they also play bass, and it's like they're a cellist, but they're a bassist in a punk band or something. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so you yeah. Can get both sides of the coin. Totally. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I had a uh, one friend in college. We, um, she wrote her own music, and she was like singer, uh, songwriter on guitar. So I would write like cello parts, mm-hmm. and like we performed like twice at like open mics yeah and that was fun but um well that was her gig though that was that was her thing yeah i was just like uh, accompanying which which was totally fine but um yeah i don't i took i took um guitar lessons for like a year in college and because i was like well let's just try to experiment and broaden it you know the scope slightly and i remember my um teacher was would always like make fun of me because I'm like, are these like eighth notes, 16th <laughs> notes? And he's like, no, nah, man. He's like, you just got to feel it. Right. And I was like, so by feel it, you mean like we're resting here. <laughs> right. And so he, it was, um, it was like each week was just a lesson on me trying to like no. chill out and being less like anxious. And so then after a year, I was like, I, I'm done with this dude. Just, yeah constantly you know tell me what to do i think it's hard when you learn you know music in that atmosphere of like reading music and stuff it's it's hard to break away from it you know totally like someone who's trained classically as a painter and spends like years glazing and knowing all about you know it's probably hard to just go into you know something Mm -hmm. like really rough or like acrylics or you know what i'm saying like i I think it's a hard habit to break at a certain point yeah i think that makes total sense it's easier to go into a different area like art or paint or you know or like if you're in music, you know, yeah. to break out of that and do something else, film or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's almost like you have to unknow sometimes to be... Oh, yeah. Wasn't it the, the Ezra Koenig from uh, Vampire Weekend was saying like mm. he's gifted in the fact that like he doesn't, you know, he's not sort of like a virtuoso and mm. some of the things that he doesn't know helps him write better songs in a way. Totally. You know, I think that can be true. You know, yeah. you can get saddled with like it having to be just so... Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I I think that's why um, I think that's why a lot of people like post grad school or post school or anything. You know, it takes a while to figure out like your own voice or like what you actually want to do because you've got you know you you may not necessarily know the quote unquote right thing, but at least you've got that training, you have that experience, and so you've got to like yeah unlearn those things. Yeah, and so yeah, I think for music, I I don't know. I mean. Maybe if I... I haven't thought about that guy in a while or those experiences. I wonder, like... I don't think I was really being stubborn or stuck. I just... Um, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe I'll, maybe there'll be a realization <laughs> at some point where I was like, he was right. Um, but yeah, maybe that was... It was probably also too close to home. Yeah. Like, if I was like, oh, let's just try the trombone or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it was, it was too much of me not... Um, maybe not trying to unlearn or allow myself to, to be in that space. Yeah. And I think sometimes you just, you're a a creature of habit. You know what I mean? So if you're used to reading sheet music, it's just weird to like, just feel it, man. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Kind of like, okay, but what's the, you know, what measure are we in? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. That was literally probably every conversation we had. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of hilarious, but so what happened, like, so you went into art and then mm-hmm. Pratt was the next destination. I mean, at that point you thought, I want to follow up and like, really, was it the, I need more time in grad school? Like, I want to go focus and, mm-hmm. and sort of go to a place where I can really hunker down and make work. 
Yeah. And that, what were you doing at the time between like, as you were going into grad school, like what was mm-hmm. the work like? Um, that, so that was definitely the, yeah, the impetus to <clears throat> want to go to grad school. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, was that I was like, okay, I think I'm ready for this full-time experience. Like what, what's going to happen if I'm full-time in the studio or just full-time, like allowing myself full-time in that, in that mode. Um, I, I took two, if not three, I think two years in between. Um, I finished undergrad and then moved back home, you know, with my parents in Long Island, um, painted in the basement for like two years while I was trying to build a portfolio. Uh, at that point I like kind of had, um, I was interning for a gallery in the city, like a day or two a week. Um, I was tutoring for the SATs in like the math section, mm-hmm. um, which actually was a lot of fun for, for, you know, for the time being. And then I started, I was working at uh, Applebee's full time. You um, were feeling good in the day. <laughs> I was, oh yeah. How was that? Uh, ugh. I, I mean, I had the, a similar we had a place called Red Bull Inn. It was like yeah. an Applebee's that I worked at for a while. It, you know, it was great. It was great money. Yeah. It was like good money. It was like fast-paced environment. You know, maybe the clientele isn't, wasn't like the greatest or it's, it's obviously not like fine dining in any capacity or yeah. originality. Um, but um, I don't know. I was there for like two and a half years. It was, you know, um, the Applebee's actually, so it was, out on Long Island in Patchogue, and that's actually where I met my husband. Oh, really? At the Applebee's? At the Applebee's, yeah. Really? So, actually, so <laughs> day one, so I was, um, I'll give you the short of the story. I was, like, coming off of t- tutoring some kid in high school for the SATs. It was, like, two hours of, like, the longest, like, math section. He just was, like, not having it. It was just, it was a time where you, like, look at the clock and, like, 10 seconds have passed. It's going backwards. It's Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, how is this my life? This is the slowest thing I've ever done in the world. So I left this kid's house, and I was like, oh, God. I was like, I got to get out of this. I can't, like, I can't see this kid anymore. This is just, you know, infuriating. And there was a new Applebee's that was opening, like, 15 miles away. And my dad kept, like, like pressuring me. He was like, just go in. You know, you're looking for a job. You need something full time. And he used to always own bars um, and like some restaurants, like as we were kids. Mm-hmm. So like hospitality is like he he was never managing. He was just kind of you know would own like this bar and then like try this endeavor and kind of jump around some places. So we kind of grew up in a few, um, kind of not grew up in a few bars, but you know we would like collect bottle caps at the bars, like you know play all the arcade games. So it was kind of like always there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was driving back from this, like, you know, not ideal tutoring session. And, um, my dad's voice was just like pounding in my head because I was like literally driving by this Applebee's and I was like, Ugh, fine, let's just go in, see if they're hiring. And Danny, who's now my husband mm-hmm. was the manager on duty who, um, hired me on the spot. Nice. Yeah. He like, we like talked for like, I don't know. 10, 15 minutes, you know, about life and my, you know, not having restaurant experience. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you're going to have to lie and tell people you have experience. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm a terrible liar. What did you start as like a busser or something? No, I just started, I started waiting, waiting, waiting tables. tables. And then within maybe a year or so I was bartending. Well, that's, I mean, that's, you started high up. I mean, I started washing dishes. Oh yeah. Good times. At the Red Bull? At the Red Bull. Where is this? Pennsylvania? Pittsburgh. Or? Yeah. Pittsburgh. 
Yeah. I mean, it was a dump. Yeah. <laughs> you learn a lot about life. Oh, yeah. Working in a restaurant. Yeah. Like that, you know, not like working at like 11 Madison or something. I mean, you know, I'm yeah, sure yeah. there's a different kind of learning, but I mean, you learn a lot about a lot of things, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I eventually worked up to busboy. Mm-hmm. Never got a sniff waiter. I really wanted, my friend was a host. Mm. And I, that's the gig that I wanted. Yeah. But clearly, I wasn't, <laughs> my social skills probably weren't up to snuff to be that. Yeah, they're like, you, know? you actually talk to people when you do this. Yeah, apparently I was only good in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I never really made it out other than just getting dishes off tables. It happens. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's a job. Yeah. How long did you do that? I can't, I'm not, not too, too long. Yeah. I mean, I did all sorts of, you know, painting houses and moving companies and, mm-hmm even roofing a little for like a couple of weeks, oh, yeah. which was brutal. Yikes. But yeah, I think it's good to have those kind of jobs Yeah, to have that in your repertoire. Totally. You really appreciate not doing those jobs. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had, w- <laughs> my brother and I had one summer where, um, we were working for like a party supply, like moving spot. And it was just like tents, tables and chairs and just like <sighs> stacking chairs in like a big warehouse. Yeah. I think we both like, we'll say that was like the worst job. His, his, well, he'd probably say his worst. We both also refereed um, uh, high school, like mm-hmm. uh, not high school, I'm um, sorry, soccer Yeah, when we were in high school and it was like to little kids. Um, I must have done that for a year or two. That's challenging. That was, I think he the might parents, have lasted like four seconds. The parents are the worst. Oh, they were the worst. You cannot win as a referee. No. The only time I've, because I'm licensed to referee, the only time okay. I ever do it is when there's an absolute crisis to where no one shows up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when the, someone knows that I'm capable and they're like, well, you ref this. But it's the worst. And one time I did it for my kid's team mm. and we were way out like in East New York. Okay. And I got roped in and my own, my son's team's parents were yelling at me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It yeah, got yeah. that bad. <laughs> that shows you how bad it is when, like, people you know are like, There's, "He's not offsides!" Like screaming yeah, oh, yeah. at you. I'm like, "No, I, I know what this." You know? Oh God, it was great. At least you, you, you had old enough to referee, like, um, for you know, offsides. I mean, we were doing like, oh I yeah, was doing, no, like, I've done very little kids. Yeah, yeah, that's that's and, a different challenge. Oh too. God, it's just like you know, you know, eight kids just run to the ball, right? Half them fall over. Then half the parents are screaming because their kid's crying because he fell down. <laughs> and so you got to like, you call penalty, but like right. the point is to like just play on because they're kids. Yeah. But I think most of the parents were, wanted like demanded justice, right. you know? Oh, <laughs> God, it was, that's our society these days. It's really bad. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, if that's not indicative of, of, um, 2020 in the political climate, you know, right. I don't know what is. I mean, those days were like the helicopter parents. Right, yeah. where, where they're just involved in every single thing, like you know, oh yeah, screaming to the referee, like doing this and doing that. Now, I know. now it's right. The curling parents, I believe, is how it's referred to. The curling, yeah, that's a term. Yeah, yeah. curling parents. Mm. It's like you know the sport. Oh, curling. So the you're sport just of- you're just a cleaning uh, a path of least resistance oh. for your kid. That's when they're like brushing the ice yeah. for the puck or something to yes. go further down. Yeah. Never so, quite understood that. Because uh, you're trying to get it to land on the spot and you can actually smooth it out so it mm. goes further. And you're trying okay. to smooth it enough so it lands in just the right spot. Gotcha. But the analogy is that we as parents yeah. these days are just making our kids have no resistance. We're just setting everything up for them, mm. you know, yeah, which yeah. is really not good parenting. Yeah, yeah. Guilty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you had the Applebee's job, which turned out to be a really great thing yeah i mean yeah win 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 for 
for hubby. Yeah. Um, and you're and you're working at home, and I'm, then you applied at Pratt, and then you just got in right away. Yeah, yeah. So I was yeah working from home. Um, the the paintings I was doing throughout college were you know pretty much all still lifes. I mean my oh really um, my painting professor um, James Baker who was great but he was like pretty hands off you know he would just set up like a funky still life of everything you can find in the closet and all these like jarring patterns and they just kind of meld together and you kind of like work on that for a few weeks or whatever and so I feel like that was the most like three years of undergrad and then slowly the work just started um becoming a little more more abstract it was like a lot of more like brushwork and just more of yeah brushwork and marks as you know indicative of those objects instead of like because I mean I, I wanted to paint representationally and like you know photorealistic like that was like ideal but I think that was just kind of growing up thinking about oh yeah that would that would be fun or that would be phenomenal or, or that's right. what a people artists do yeah so I feel like it took a it took a little bit just to kind of allow myself to like be like you actually cannot paint that <laughs> like and that's like not the point right so it wasn't until like the last year of undergrad um where I think I like found a little groove by just kind of embrace like using maybe one or two objects as a reference point but not necessarily painting them kind of painting uh the background or the table or like an environment for them to like exist in and live in yeah. until that just dissipated or the object was unrecognizable or whatever. Are you looking at a lot of artists at this point or are you kind of just doing your thing? Yeah. I, um, I mean, I definitely took uh, a lot of like art history courses. I mean, growing up in Long Island, we'd go to museums. Yeah. You're, you're not, close to yeah. stuff. Close to the city. Yeah. I mean, not all the time, but we'd go in the city like um, as much as possible to go to go see um we saw a lot of broadway shows actually mm-hmm. show tunes were kind of um <laughs> in, the, in the backbone yeah uh there as well but um but especially being in providence you know i'd go to the rizzi museum all the time yeah and like check out any show that was happening there well that um, exposes you to i mean if you're yeah inching towards something being slightly abstract you know what i mean like oh yeah seeing that stuff can really open you up you know for sure yeah that that was kind of a definitely a mind-blowing experience was um i mean i i i thought i thought i'd be able to actually when i went to province college that to um i'd be able to potentially take a class or two at RISD. Mm-hmm. i'm like oh i'll get my feet wet and do this right it's right there yeah I was like i can see it <laughs> there it is um that ended up not being the case but i still visited a bunch and would um yeah, so I think just kind of being in that vicinity and like contact creativity. First, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, in and the environment, you know. Yeah, and I think recognizing too, like you know, the amount of people who are artists or, or creatives and people who are like trying to like make things happen. Yeah, yeah. So that that was I think pretty pivotal. So I imagine it's a pretty big jump from. I don't want to say that PC is you know not a big bustling school with a lot. I mean, but you're going from, you know, a college, liberal arts college and mm-hmm. it's small, right? It's not huge. Yeah. Me like 3000 people. Yeah. It's to like, Pratt, which is like everyone's an oh, art yeah. dude or an art girl. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. It's arty. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Capital A. Was that a um, big transition? It was. Yeah. That was, I mean, it was also moving to Brooklyn. This was like 2009. Yeah. Um, so it was like moving to Brooklyn, like starting oh. classes like a week later. Right in the crap storm of the economy. Oh, yeah. It was in 2009 was 
they or 2008 or nine was a crash right? yeah 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 or, but maybe that wasn't on your radar it definitely was point. not on my radar okay. i was like i'm gonna go to art school <laughs> this is great <laughs> and i was like i'm done with applebee's right um although uh, yeah uh so it, it it wasn't necessarily like on my radar at all yeah i think i was just like you know i was living back home with my parents painting in like you know our disgusting basement just like yeah, but that's a pretty good deal. I mean, having yeah family, you know, absolutely near the city is like a blessing. And I mean, because oh, yeah, you know, yeah. paying rent and stuff, it's, yeah, it's hard to do when you get right out of school. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a great thing. I mean, you you know, you have a foot in the door in a way. For sure. Yeah. No, I definitely like very lucky that um, and privileged that like my parents were always like really supportive. Um, they didn't quite like ever like really get it. Like I think my my you know they would you'd be like what what are you doing you're like you're like I remember one time my mom um, came to the studio in Bush Bushwick and it was a lot of like more like collage based works mm-hmm. and she was just like oh she's like so you're cutting and pasting now it's just like <laughs> deadpan and I right. like love that one it's better that way though isn't it oh yeah like oh, if they so. came in with like a a hard critique or you know yeah. like, well you know blah blah blah's work or sometimes it's good to have a little distance there absolutely yeah <laughs> it was it was nice to have distance i mean that would show them work you know my mom goes to all my shows now yeah she brings all of her like girlfriends and they like three or four friends kind of traveling everywhere and go to shows um that's cool but yeah so it was so it was definitely like a big kind of adjustment to go to go to pratt um but it was lucky you know my parents were weren't too far away I always wanted to move to the city. Um, my dad was really sick at the time. Mm-hmm. And so that was also a big reason to go to Pratt versus, um, you know, I applied to a lot of other schools throughout the country. Yeah. Um, didn't, you know, only got into maybe one or two other spots and, but recognizing, okay, you know, close to home, close to home. I can go home on the weekends or here and there and like help out and still be like a big present, um, big presence. Cause my brother was up in Albany full time at that point. Yeah. And would come down whenever he could, but, um, you know, not, you know, not as much as I could have being like an hour away. And was there at all this, an idea of like, well, in starting to build a community that, you know, is where you essentially would end up or did you Mm -hmm. feel like that wasn't really important at that time? You know what I mean? How did you, cause being from somewhere so close, I mean, you go on the ally double R, you're right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did you just think I'm going to end up in New York whether it's city or New York area mm-hmm. or were you thinking, Oh, well maybe I'll go to LA or Chicago or I think I was kind of game for anything. Yeah. I think I, I knew ultimately I wanted to be in New York for a bit and like experience living in the city. Um, and I think, uh, you know, uh, but besides from like being close to home and being able to be there for my dad, you know, um, picking, picking Pratt as well was the fact that like, you know, you're going to be in Manhattan in like two seconds. Yeah. And like, you know, any of our classes, like we would talk about shows and then like an hour later you can like physically go see shows. Yeah. So I saw it work like every week I'd spend at least a day and go into the city and just spend like all day seeing work. Yeah. And that's like so invaluable. That's an education. That's an education. Yeah. Cause yeah. seeing it in person is totally different. Oh my God. It's like so different. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great that social media and like, you know, pre that with any textbooks and, you know, I mean, we'd look up encyclopedias as kids to like look up work or, right. you know, that was the Google to get yeah. information. Um, so it's, it's great that obviously that's an accessible feature, but to be able to go and, and 
see works and see art in person yeah. was, was yeah. Beyond invaluable. Definitely. Yeah. So how does, what happens between Pratt and then all the stuff you're doing? And we're going <laughs> to talk about all this stuff, you know, like how you got yeah. to where you're doing all the projects you've, you're working on now. Um, I finished, oof, finished Pratt in 2011. Um, Pratt, Pratt was a good experience. I mean, I made some really nice friends there. It was, um, I think it was like a pretty supportive community. Um, uh, they're like now I feel like they have a professional development course Mm -hmm. at the time. It was like my second year at the very end. They were like, surprise, you can take this thing. But like everyone was like freaking out about thesis or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I left Pratt and didn't particularly, you know, didn't have that much, um, uh, a large education or really realize like what, you know, any steps or I feel like we were left floundering. Yeah. I mean, I like, you know, I, the work I was making pretty much after my thesis show at Pratt, like I had an early thesis in like March. And so I had selected the studio for a few months before yeah. they officially kind of kick you out. Um, that was like, I feel like, um, the work I was making then was what I was most excited about. You know, and then it took a few years to actually get back into the groove. What kind of work um, was that? What were you doing at that point? Oh my god, at Pratt, it was like my hand. My hand was like in every pot. I feel like I was, um, I was doing a lot of um, uh, sculpture slash like site responsive work with like masking tape. Mm-hmm. I would just make these big mounds and piles, whether they would cover objects or just be on the wall. Um, There's a lot of like cyanotypes and like other non-photo-ish processes um and then always painting but i was trying to like i don't know i um not particularly like paint with the brush i was trying to like maybe try to make scenarios or parameters for like paintings to make themselves or exist so one thing that i've I've actually thought about a lot is like i would make these like put down a big sheet of like well plastic and then like canvas throw down a ton of like paint and pigment and all the things and then put press other f- canvas or p- sheets of paper on top and pull back. Mm-hmm. So you'd get all these like, you know, Warshock ish, like, um, prints, self- prints in a way. Yeah. Right? It's like, like monoprinting monotypes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like doing a lot of, a lot of those, which still kind of informs a lot of the work I'm doing now, mm-hmm. whether or not it's not the same scenario, but that was just kind of something that like transpired and it happened. And I like, liked that work, but it was like pretty one note yeah. And I didn't really know what to do with it. So it kind of just like sat and did its thing. And I was like, oh, I'll see you in 10 years. Or, you know, <laughs> is it funny how that happens? Oh, my God. All Things the time. Like sneak their way in later on. Yeah. Usually it's like a lot of times it's in drawing or like mm. work that the, the quote unquote secondary work or what you're not, you know, not the major sculpture or painting that you're working on. Yeah. yeah. Like little things you're doing and like it sneaks in 10 years later. It's oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah. I remember. That was cool. You know, it just kind of finds its way back in. <laughs> yeah. I think especially, um, especially from grad school, a lot of conversations that were more like even just um, secondary or tertiary responses or comments to things mm-hmm. that weren't like, you know, the big critique or anything. It was just kind of like a little offhanded remark. I feel like those are the most important things that have kind of crept in, Yeah, you know, afterwards. Um, yeah. It's like sometimes it can be a comment. That, mm-hmm. that you remember yeah. Do you know what I mean and, oh, yeah. and, and like it comes out or it, it informs your work down the line mm-hmm. I had a 
visiting critique with Matthew Ritchie in grad school. Oh yeah. And he came in, you know, they're, they're short mm-hmm. and he came in and he's like, okay, well, do you want me to talk about why your lines are crappy or kind of messy <laughs> or do you want to we'll talk about the content? And I was like, uh, because con- I felt like it was the right answer. I was like, content? And yeah. he was like, okay, we'll talk about content. But yeah. then that stuck with me. I was like, oh yeah, why Why is what I'm doing the way it is? You know, like why mm. is it kind of sloppy and not super tight? Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even think about it. It's not that I was intentionally doing that. But sometimes like those little comments will mm-hmm. really make you think about things, you know, down the line. Totally, yeah. Did you have some visiting artists or, or professors that were really like, the ones that you know left the mark mm-hmm. a bigger mark than others yeah i had um kit white was a um he's since retired but he was a um, phenomenal he's a great painter and he was mm-hmm. a phenomenal teacher so i had him for a few years um who i really you know he was so astute and very um bright in the studio i mean he was I don't like know his work uh he's there these like quasi abstract landscapes there's always like a pretty strong horizontal line and then these diagonals that you know are kind of floating in the space but mm-hmm. also are somewhat grounded to you know the, the you know the foreground um but he i he was a phenomenal um professor and i feel like he kind of really opened up conversations and like and spaces for people to actually communicate yeah um is it funny some uh, there's a lot of i feel like artists like that who maybe not the big names that everyone knows, but are just really great teachers. And it's oh, such yeah. a different thing, you know, yeah. being able to communicate. And a lot of times you get artists who like the name of like, Oh, they're coming or whatever. And they come in and it's just all they're like doing dead. is talking yeah. about their work. Yeah. Like, yeah. They could give a shit what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, well, yeah. I wouldn't do this or, you know what I mean? But then there's those yeah. artists who are just so giving mm-hmm. and they, you know, they're all ears and they really can communicate well and understand what you're after. For sure. And that, that goes unsung a lot of times, I think. I think that that happened a lot too in a, like a lot of, like Pratt was a lot of studio visits mm-hmm. and a lot of like group critiques and group studio visits and classes. And I think that happened a lot where, you know, your classmates would like, you could, you could see who's making a comment or who's saying something that you're like, that's how you make your work. <laughs> you know, they're like, why don't you use more like X, Y, and Z? And yeah. you're like, because then I'd be making your, your work. work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like earlier, it took me maybe longer than I should have to kind of be savvy to that um, yeah. MO. Um, it's hard to exercise those demons because is. you spend so much time in school really defending what you're doing because yeah. you're under attack. All, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a barrage. You yeah. Know? So you've got to staunchly defend what you're, you know, all these hours you're spending every day working all the on things, this stuff. Yeah. And then you get out and you're like, oh, it's not, we can all get along here. You yeah. know what I mean? And you're, you're, like, you're like, actually, no one cares. <laughs> no one wants to talk about this and no one cares what I'm, yeah. I'm up to. It's really quiet out here. <laughs> yeah. Like, hello. And then you hello. like kind of like chill out because you're not under a barrage all the time. Yeah. But yeah, you do get into like your camp. You know, it's like, well, yeah, like this is legitimate what I'm doing. And, and so you defend it. Yeah. I remember one studio visit. It was with, um, Cirilla Mizenter's class who, um, do you know her work? I don't. She I'm is. I'm over two on this. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Kit. And um, what's her name? Uh, Cirilla. Cirilla. Mizenter. Um, she's phenomenal. She does these like smaller felt kind of intimate pieces mm-hmm. and a lot of kind of felt letters on like larger, um, boards or sheets um but i remember one particular class um i like probably spent an all-nighter you know all the works on the walls it was like you know i was like haha look at all the things i've like 
done or tried. And then um, probably 10 minutes before the visit, I was just like anxious and playing with, you know, trash or things on my, my desk and like balance like three things in the corner. And um, I remember that was the conversation for like 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. Was like the, and like at the time I was like kind of upset because I was like, can we direct our attention right. to what I, you know, would like you to look at? But I think about that a lot because it was like, I was like forcing these paintings and forcing the work to exist versus just kind of messing around or like trying to be more honest. And like, you know, maybe that's a terrible example because of like, it was like minutes before this visit, but there was something inherent in that little activity and that, you know, these balancing of objects, excuse me, and these things that were um, like, I wasn't thinking about. You know, that was what, the that was the punk, as opposed to the cello that was up on the wall. <laughs> uh, he was right, <laughs> the dude. I think his name was Dave. God, stupid Dave. Dave was like one of those, you know, Buddhists, like <laughs> yeah. you know, like a sage. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, it's smelly like, yeah, Dave. Dude, just forget about the music, man. <laughs> just close your eyes, man. <laughs> close your eyes. Dave was right. No, but it, there's something to be said for that. You know? Totally. I, I mean, I got really irritated in school because people would see my tape ball and they would always say, you should just show your tape ball. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's really not what it's about. But yeah. I think that's an extreme. Yeah. I mean, the, I think that happens like, yeah, literally all the time. Right. People um, look for the thing that's not the thing. The thing, yeah. And they're like, oh, that's, that's probably closer to what is really you or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I I also like, you know, in other, in other people's defense, I mean, I definitely had my hand in, yeah, uh, trying to do as many things and practice possible to experiment and, you know, use different facilities. And um, so definitely, like, I, I, I could see the common threads within the work, but formally things were kind of jumping around and little all over the place. Well, um, I mean, so you're saying that you in your creative practice do a lot of different things. Yeah. And then you in your life do a lot. Of, <laughs> I mean, it Wait makes sense, right? I, yeah, I think it makes sense. I... But I think in grad school, there's just this mentality of like... Hunker down. Yeah, yeah. Hunker down, find your thing. Focus. Yeah. yeah. Like like Pratt was like, experiment, do all the things you want, figure it out. And then like by the end of the first year, it was like, what is your thesis going to be? <laughs> right. And I was like, what? You just told me I can do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that was the first six months. That's yeah. over. <laughs> Your yeah. grace period's over. Yeah, you it's know? over. Game over. All gray paintings Get your shit together. <laughs> I know. Well, so I had this like white, you know, this monochromatic sh- like thesis show. Makes sense. I mean, if you know what I mean? I yeah. Feel like that's the reaction, you know? Yeah, it was like, a, it's like, okay, you want me to focus here? Here you go. Here's focus. Yeah, it was like the most edited down, like minimalistic thing in the world. Yeah. Because they're like, started you know i just experimented with one or two and then it was just one professor who was like that's the thing yeah and i was like what's the thing (laughs) um it was a week you know it was looking back now i mean it was also like my dad passed away when it was my first year of school and i didn't you know not that i didn't like mourn or like what you know I, i was like it just um i think shortly thereafter which is like i just went back to brooklyn yeah. and just like went back into like all the crazy school and so i think it was just kind of you know it, it took a while to kind of um maybe it's not to recognize that that's the wrong word choice but to um give it if it's give it its gravity and it's like process it, it and process it yeah process it way more than i 
should have or did, yeah. especially in a scenario of like grad school where um, it was like produce. It was like go produce, you know, kind of get your money's worth. Yeah. Like this is a ton of money. Right. You're going to be in debt forever. So like keep going. Um, yeah. So it was like this weird time that it took a few few years to kind of unlearn some things. Um, but I was, I was lucky that I, I definitely made some really good friends at Pratt. And after we graduated, um, some friends and I got a studio space in Bushwick, um, on Varick and Harrison place, Mm -hmm. um, 41 Varick. And so, um, yeah, we like built some walls and had this like ridiculously like tiny 90 square foot space. Um, but it was, but it was phenomenal. I love that studio. And you probably got a lot done. I mean, and I would think too that like looking back at it, that all that stuff Mm -hmm. from school, you learn so much, even if it's not a great time necessarily, Mm -hmm. you learn a lot about, you know, what you need, what you don't need. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like if you cruise through or something, it's, you're, you're probably not going to learn as much in a way. Oh, for sure. I mean, I definitely learned a ton you know, got my ass kicked at school. It was, it was, it was a great crash course yeah. into the things. Like I, um, I don't know. In retrospect, I wish I would, um, would have taken either more time between undergrad or grad, or you know, I was kind of envious of the of the other um, students who I was with who were already in the city and who already like knew spaces and galleries and like had a city community. Yeah, and then were you know participating in school. Um, but, um, I don't know. That's not what happened. So, yeah. And I think it, if you idealize, I mean, you know, yeah. there's probably things that came out of, I always think people who have those connections or know the spaces in the city, how can you focus on grad mm. school mm-hmm. if you've got all that stuff going on too? You know what I mean? That's why I never would have thought to go to <clears throat> grad school in New York city. Yeah. Just cause I feel like I wouldn't be able to focus or something. Mm. I'm sure it's not hard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You can just hang out in Brooklyn and get lost in its school studio or whatever, but it totally, just yeah. seems daunting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like a circus in town every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think especially too, that was like the first time living like, um, well, besides college was, um, you know, being in, being in the city, <clears throat> I'm like 23, you know, there's like a lot of partying. Yeah. I mean, orientation for Pratt was at this bar in, um, called rope on Myrtle mm-hmm. that's no longer there. Um, but they were just like dollar beers. Yeah. And that was like every Monday night was like dollar PBRs. And that was like <laughs> Monday nights at Pratt for like two years. Right. You just went to rope. I like that orientations there. It's like, well, here you go. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. You're going to have this experience for the rest of your time. Here. Yeah. They're you like know? this. They're like, this sums it up. Yeah, they're yeah. like, have way too much to drink, <laughs> stumble home to, to, you know, and then be in class or your studio tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what's the work like out of school? Like when you get your small studio, what are you up to? Did you, like the changes that you made in mm-hmm. spaces, like while you were in the city, did that affect the work you were making as far as materials and the way you're doing it? Yeah, uh, I think so. I think like the, the um, my studio space and um, my immediate environment for sure kind of infiltrates and dictates and, um, you know, shapes the work that I'm making. Um, at that point I was, um, there's a lot of works on paper with like, um, all like water-based, like acrylic spray paint. Um, and I was starting to work with like 
tape, but using tape, um, I would never use tape to like, <clears throat> like perfect or really like necessarily like mask areas, like mm-hmm. pretty much what tape should be doing. Yeah. But, um, uh, I guess, you know, it was like a lot of stripes and it was, a lot of the work was pretty like, you know, organic or these like biomorphic blobs and orbs and these like celestial things. So using, um, either painted tape or just like colored tape on its own was a really kind of strong geometric, um, geometric line and like diagonal that would really kind of butt against this like thing that kind of, you know, seemingly create, created itself. So it was like a structured drawing element in relation to all the <clears throat> organic stuff happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like so I think it was immediate architecture <clears throat> in a way. And, and it's physical. Super. Like, yeah. Super immediate, super physical. Um, and so I kind of like rode that wave for a while. Like that was maybe circa 2013 Mm -hmm. early 14 is when i was doing some of these and i really start started like feeling the work and like got really excited what i was doing Mm -hmm. i mean it took a ton of bad work a lot of experimentation i mean i'm still making you know bad work all the time but um it took a lot to get to a point where i was like haha i was like there you are like that's that's what i want to do or at least that's closer to yeah what what I w- would want to talk about or engage in, so that must have that gives that gives you the fuel to like keep pushing and yeah, know, moving on. Well, how long, like, how long were you in the space that you were in? You know what I mean? Because you're not in the city anymore, right? Not yeah. We, I moved. Um, <clears throat> we moved in two thousand, like September two thousand fifteen. So, so it was, a couple years. Yeah, yeah. So I guess from um, that point, I guess. Brooke, we like left. I'm trying to think of when we had to like leave the basically the day of like, you know, this is your last day in the Pratt spaces. I was like holding on to for dear life. Uh, very shortly thereafter, we were looking at a few spaces, me and some friends um, and found the the spot in Bushwick. Um, so we kind of moved in pretty like they, they were um, the space wasn't even complete yet. Um, but they were like, oh, it'll be ready next month. And we're like, perfect. We'll move in. Yeah. So it was definitely in that space for. Yeah, I guess over four years. That's a tough move, too, when you're... I mean, you're not going to school for free, but it, mm. I'm sure it feels like, well, I've got this great studio. Yeah. And then that ends. And you're like, oh, wait, I have to pay Oh yeah, for this phone booth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It was like, yeah, 90 square feet. Um, er, there, Everyone had like three walls, so I would have to be in... Um, uh, I don't think she's... I think Nikki Nolan was the first person who was like adjacent from me. And then it was um, my good friend, Polly, Polly Schindler. Mm-hmm. But I would like kind of be in their space yeah. just to then like look at my work and like to like look back. So you'd have to like be a little strategic of who's going to be in the space <laughs> when or. Right. Um, I think luckily there was a lot of like I was working at um, a bar and restaurant in Fort Greene at that point um, with some other friends. And um, so I can go to the studio during the day. And then I was bartending at the Narrows in Bushwick. Um, and then the pines and Gowanus. So I feel like I was kind of cobbling together, um, you know, work and hours to get into the studio as much as possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but post Pratt, I like, I got a storage unit right next to Pratt where I just like loaded up all the work from Pratt and I was like, bye. See you in, you know, I, I just started unwrapping some of that work. Like, (laughs) did you have to get rid of that space or you still have the storage space? I got rid of the storage unit after moving to Wasaic because then I, um, 
one of the one of the basements and one of the residency houses. I was like, uh, I'm taking this. Yeah, because the amount you pay for a storage space there, you could probably rent something oh. up there that's like you know, yeah, eighteen times the size or something. Oh, God, that storage space was so expensive in, near Pratt, but it was it was what I needed for a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then, but so yeah, so then, but things just from the storage space just went straight to basement of one of the houses in Wasaic. Well, how did Wasaic happen? So Wasaic happened via, um, uh, I was an artist in residence at the Wasaic project in August of 2014. And prior to that, I, um, I did a residency program on Governor's Island mm-hmm. through Foreheads, uh, maybe the summer prior, but it was like when Governor's Island, you can only go a certain hours per day. Right. It wasn't full time. It wasn't like the picnic kingdom it is now or whatever it is hammocks aren't there hammocks everywhere There's hammocks yeah it's like hammock park or hammock they used forest to have, is it governor's not governor's ball um they have like these art kind of events there oh yeah but they recently moved it to randall's or not randall's what's the other one roosevelt island oh yeah but there used to be this yeah, like yeah. art thing i forget what it's called oh figment fest oh yeah yeah that's Which right. was a huge thing. Totally. I mean, like this like outdoor sculpture park. Music. As well. The whole bit. Yeah. yeah. It was a big old thing. That was happening when I was there in like 2013. Mm-hmm. So like I had this like summer residency program where I would take the ferry every day and um, the studios were in these like old, like kind of dilapidated, um, you know, they were old army barracks. Those old houses. But they look, wait, not the houses. The houses. Yeah. 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 So I had like had a space there. Um, anyway, that was like my first kind of like residency, but it was not, you know, your sleep away, you know, home from home away from or camp away from home residency. Um, what and then, a weird space to make work though. Right. I mean, it's just yeah. weird in general. Yeah. It's like creepy in general. Yeah. Um, there's a vibe to that Island. It's like, I think at the time I was, I was like super big into lost mm-hmm. like the TV show. Oh, I love that. That was the Oof. last show that I really, really watched. Oh Yeah. Like that I, you know, yeah. well, those were the days when it was on TV and you had to wait a week. Oh, yeah. We'd be like screaming at the TV. Yeah, like a cliffhangers would drive you nuts. Now you just watch everything instantly. But Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was a good show. Oh, yeah. So there's that on an island vibe. Yeah, very Haunted Island vibe. And I would like walk around Governor's Island like during the days kind of by myself and just explore. And yeah, you you would, I mean, I immediately went to, you know something um, nefarious happening via like lost. Right. Um, but I, I got to the space, the studio space there and there was um, these shapes on the wall from paint that was peeling off that were like shapes that I was already creating mm-hmm. these like islands, these like continents. So I kind of spent all summer um, making strips of like painted tape through like with acrylic and spray paint and other things. And would just like insert all these, horizontal lines into these shapes that were already there because mm-hmm. i walked in and i was like uh my work's already done right. <laughs> it's like there there's sketches for your stuff. yeah yeah yes yeah. so that was really exciting and that was really pivotal um and then the and then i was you know after school you just like apply to eight thousand things and see what kind of sticks yeah and i had one or two friends who did with seg project probably 20 um 12 or 13 or whatever and um, yeah, I did Wasake Project. Um, it's my first residency in August 2014. Had a great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I did Vermont Studio Center shortly thereafter that. And then I was in Yado in like um, 2015. Um, and then I was... So how Wasake played, played out was um, 
let's see. So then the year afterwards, I like applied for their, we have a big summer exhibition each year. Mm-hmm. And I applied for work to like kind of take over a, a space in the stairwell with, you know, some painted tape. And um, so I, I came back for install for that. And then I was staying with the residency director for like a night or two for install or however long. And she just like planted the seed. She was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm piecing out soon. Yeah. She's like, you should apply for my job. And I was like, what? And I was like, uh, leave Brooklyn. Yeah. Like, are you insane? But Next then I... Thing you know. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just couldn't... Um, it was around the same time, too, of like, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed bartending, but it was like long hours. Yeah. It's such like a party scene and you get sucked into that. Um, we were in... Um, my uh, my husband and I, we weren't married at that point, but we were living in Clinton Hill together and I loved our apartment, but like rent was expensive. So he was like, I think my brother just bought a house too. So he was like, our rent is more than like, you know, your brother's mortgage. mortgage. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's like, what are we doing? Right. He's like, we should, we shouldn't be in the city. And that was also, I was like, are so you the insane? stars aligned, yeah. It was, yeah, so the stars just aligned. So I like, so kind of on a whim, I applied for the job at Mosaic and because I was already an arts in residence, I knew the ins and outs yeah. ish of the space, right? Or at least um, ways I thought I can improve. Or um, and at that point, I was curating um, shows here and there through. Like I had a year um, curatorial residency along with Polly Schindler at Trussell Projects, mm-hmm. and so we so there was like kind of admin experience kind of built into you know um, what I was doing. Um, yeah, so Wasake played out and. We moved up there September 2015. And how has life and work changed since being there? Well, I'm sure space alone changes things. The yeah. amount of space you have. Yeah, it's. I mean, I have. Uh, I had a studio in the the old barn in Wasake for um, the first two plus years or so, mm-hmm. and then worked in um, the basement of our house because it was this pretty huge space. Um, we moved into a new house last year, or like a year change ago. So I took over the second bedroom now. And so now I have a gorgeous studio space. It's like the first time having like natural light, really. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? I can see outside. There's a field. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's things happening. Right. Um, so that's been, that's just been pretty instrumental. I even remember though, when I was an artist in residence at Wasaic and doing a lot of works on paper, um, and it was still some collage, but more like kind of paintings on paper that people kept saying, they're like, oh, I love these landscapes, these landscapes. And um, and that was only being with Sake for, you know, weeks where being in a natural environment kind of like seeped its way in. Yeah. Um, and so I think since being able with Sake, you know, um, I think the work has, has opened up and kind of expanded more and, and maybe having landscape kind of take a little more at the forefront even right. through these like seemingly abstract, you know, passages. Yeah. I mean, um, you're just surrounded by it. You're just surrounded by it. Yeah. Um, well, I imagine it's nice too, because you, you're, I mean, you're not in the city anymore, but you're also within the context of a place that's bringing in people all the time. Yeah. Both young and more established. You know what I mean? So it's, just, yeah, it's like yeah. a continual dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people go out of the city and get a little stir crazy because it's so quiet, you know, mm-hmm. but you have that built in, kind of like, you know, communication and community. Totally. That's constantly, you know, revitalizing itself. Mm-hmm. 
So that must be nice. That yeah, I I think I was really nervous leaving the city for that very reason. Yeah, where um, I was only showing a little bit at that point, like in kind of group shows, but you know some residencies played out and um, and uh, um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, so I, I think I was really um, one of my biggest reservations was like, oh my god, we're leaving the city. I'm like, I'm doomed. No more, <laughs> this is like no more people. No more people. <laughs> yeah. No like. Um, and it was only really, you know, shortly before that where I, I finally got a smartphone. Like I had a flip phone for years. I didn't really want to do social media. It kind of just like it happened. Um, and um, but but I think it was just that was just me project like I was just projecting a lot of fears and hesitations upon leaving the city. Right. But yeah, as soon as we we got there and as soon as I really like became fully immersed in the role and realizing like how pivotal I am to like shape people's experience, the artists and residents, like when they're in Wasaic, but also like helping to like select the people inviting or visiting artists, like a review panel, like, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm like, who do I want to have a conversation with? You know? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so that's been really, that's been like a game changer. Um, do you have to do fundraising and stuff too? Do you have to deal with that end of the spectrum? Not really. No, I've only this year I started tackling on a little more responsibilities in that regard, but just like um, essentially asking artists for donations right? and then kind of passing the torch in terms of any form of fundraising, money, all yeah. the things. Yeah, we're like a pretty, Wasake Project is a pretty small staff, but we do have someone who's um, kind of dedicated to development. Yeah. So at least that's like one thing I can check off the list. Right, that's um, good. But yeah. How's, well, what's the, I mean... What's the music situation for 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 me performing well, or playing or well, at that point? Or? Just in your life in general. I mean, it was such yeah. a big part of your youth. Such you a know? big part. Yeah. I mean, are you an avid music fan in the studio, or like, what are you listening to? You know, what's your yeah. relationship with playing? You know? I uh, since so I had a like I was playing with the Brooklyn Symphony when I moved to Brooklyn, yeah. you know, or when I was in Brooklyn, but I had to leave. Um, you know, obviously being in Wasaic, I'm like, this can <laughs> this is going to be it's a long commute, pretty challenging for like a two hour <laughs> rehearsal. Yeah. Um, I still had dreams of like going down on Mondays to rehearse, but, um, I think that that ship has sailed for the moment. Um, I played once or twice for, there's a local group, the Northern Duchess symphony. I played for a pit orchestra in Poughkeepsie like a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this summer I played, um, on my own one or two times for like, I had a solo show, and so for the closing reception, I played, um, you know, one of the movements of uh, one of the Bach cello suites, mm-hmm. which um, was really exciting, but also like kind of terrifying. That's not easy to do. No, and it's um, and especially like not when I was rusty, but I just haven't you know played that um, consistently in a long time. Um, I think now, like music in the studio. I mean, I used to always blast music in the studio. Um kind of pretty varied i mean in high school was like you know listening to a lot of like i was like obsessed with green day mm-hmm. um i wouldn't say it's like punk ish things but it was like that punk pop punk pop punk like some 41 that kind of stuff some 41 were like yeah it was like one album or like one or two songs where i was on board yeah um taking back sunday do you remember them i don't they were like a long island band and they were like a little like tiptoeing a little more into like emo yeah like the fallout boy taking back sunday 
you know, that scenario. I think I was around um, for maybe the first wave of that stuff. Okay. Because when I hear fallout boy, I think when that sounds like a lot of the emo pop punk stuff that when <laughs> I was in college, they yeah. were the, the basement shows. Okay. Like there was a band that always played in Pennsylvania called Weston. Weston. And they were, yeah, yeah, they were just amazing live, but it was that pop punk stuff, you know, yeah. it was so fun to go see live. Oh my God. It was so much fun. I don't even know if that exists anymore. That we, makes me sound old, but yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I yeah, don't know yeah. when the last time I went to see like a, like an emo, like punkish sort of band play. Yeah. I, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think we, we saw the killers, um, but now it's a bunch of years ago. I think my husband and I just started dating. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, eight, nine years ago. Yeah. Out in uh, Jones Beach has a phenomenal theater. Yeah. So I think we saw The Killers then. And I might have won him in the last, like, shows. I mean, I went to, like, Warp Tour a few times in high school. See, that's a good venue for all those kind of bands. Yeah. I feel like that is, that's in the wheelhouse. Yeah. But yeah, it was like Jimmy World, like, was kind of in that wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, when things became a little too screamo, that wasn't for me. It was like even some of Taking Back Sunday's songs where I was like, ugh, you're so close. Right. Let's just like rein it in, guys. Just like a little bit. Did you go back to some of the, the originals? Like the, like Sunny Day Real Estate kind of stuff? Not really. I like, no. I'm going to say really no. Yeah. I, yeah, I think um, n- not so much. I mean, there's like, like now in the studio, if um, I kind of... I, I actually I really like quiet in the studio. I think mm-hmm. it's been really nice having this more kind of meditative space. But if I do listen to music, I'll like like Fleetwood Mac's like a great go to. Oh man, Fleetwood Mac! Mm-hmm. Funny you should mention is one of the only bands that I hate. <gasps> what? <laughs> you have what's your top ten reasons? Dude, I had a really bad one. childhood experience. Oh yeah, okay. I had a friend whose parents listened to it, and it was just like not a good place to go. And mm. I don't know, there was that record cover where the guy had like the felt balls like hanging under him, and it was just really disturbing. Mm. And I just <laughs> really didn't like Stevie okay. Nicks. Yeah, I understand now listening, like when I hear yeah, them, yeah. that they are really good. But it's funny because I I love almost all kinds of music, but Fleetwood Mac, I can't. That's just your. My thing. brother's into them, but I can't do yeah. it. Yeah, but I love that you love Fleetwood. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm like like the 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 biggest fan in the world, but definitely like um, they're really good. I mean, yeah, I think it's phenomenal, and they don't sound like anyone else. Like her voice is oh, like her no voice one is sounds so like, like unique and so like yeah. so specific. And I love like it's like a little nasally and gritty, and it's um, like all the things could happen with. When her did voice. those records come out? Because I feel like I was a young kid when they came out. Sadly. It was yeah. the 70s, right? Like late 70s? I wanted to say, yeah, 75, 77. Yeah. I mean, at that point, yeah, where I'm just maybe an idea in the world. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. no, I was pretty um, young at that point. But yeah, that, I think that music was around when I was a kid. Yeah. It's weird. Like there's certain music I think when you grow up has like a resonance and some mm-hmm. things take and some don't. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like disco for me was always a hard sell because mm-hmm. my parents grew up disco. Like it was around oh, when yeah, I was yeah. a kid. But then it took like maybe you know, 20 years. And then I found a love for it. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, actually this is really good. This is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well like the more soul R and B ish disco. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much the Bee Gees and ABBA, but yeah, that you makes know. sense. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't like, I think my parents weren't really into like music or like a cult culture too often. I mean, we, we went to go see Broadway shows a lot. So like, well, that's musical. Yeah. I mean, for, for sure musical. I mean, yeah. so we would like, you know, have like the fan and the opera or like lay Miz, like, 
you know, playing at home, like sometimes right. like that was like music that was kind of ingrained in. Um, but you know, there's something about like the, the music I think listening to in like high school, especially early high school or junior high. That's, I think just like ingrained into you yeah. and like, you know, all the lyrics and like, I wouldn't be able to like tell you any of them until the song came on. Right. And then I'm like, Oh, you know, jagged little pill. Let's just go like, yeah. You know, to the very end. Like I got this. It's the coming of age thing. Like the, yeah. that music will always, I don't know what age it is exactly, but that music always resonates. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because it's it, music to a lot of people at that age is really, really important to their identity and their development. You totally. Know I mean? You like identify with this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So it never goes away. I mean, for me, it was like a mixture of the Smiths, the cure and stuff like that. Mm. And then also like the early days of like rap, like public enemy was huge. Oh yeah. Like yeah. That stuff. And it was just at the right time. Mm-hmm. Like I was getting that music just when, you know, like the Beastie Boys first record. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, it's perfectly aligned to like a young kids, you know, yeah, yeah. like F this stuff, you know, like the world basically, totally. you know, like in punk and all that stuff. We, we, my brother and I got into the Beastie Boys for like a little bit. Um, uh, maybe it's like seventh or eighth grade for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, more than half of the things we listened to it, I had no idea what the lyrics are like anything oh, right. meant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm like screaming <laughs> along to green day and then I like, blissfully ignorant yeah like, yeah you know, yeah the subtext oh yeah completely yeah. like no idea what was happening um but yeah i think that's that's kind of i mean i, I love the strokes as well oh, like yeah. when is um this is it came out yeah i was like drooling like mind blown um well a friend in college got me <clears throat> hooked on sufjan stevens oh yeah that guy from chicago yeah well um, he had a lot of orchestration to his music too first that's why yeah i think for him and then it was like when vampire weekend came out Mm -hmm. and like they were a thing and they exploded and you know for all the shit they kind of took um i thought the music was like very exciting and it was like so experimentational and you're um uh i i I like that like everything and the kitchen sink mentality right you know i think especially vampire weekend in their first album if not two was definitely like what 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 sound will this make? Like edit to the album, yeah. And that was, I think, that was really, um, really exciting and really like jazz by. Did you ever hear of a band called Godspeed You Black Emperor? No, you might like. There's what are they called again? Godspeed You Black Emperor. Okay, I'm gonna make a mental note. <laughs> I was in a band with, you know, we recorded a couple records and there's cello player in the band. Oh yeah. So we played a lot of bills with bands, mm. and this was in the age of that kind of early indie rock stuff. Okay, and we played with a lot of bands that had like, because if you have a cello in your band in their second record, we had upright bass and trumpet trombone. So you would get put on the bill with other bands like that or oh, anyone yeah. who had a quote unquote, like exotic instrument. So we played with 33 who had like a violin player, you okay. know, we, yeah, yeah. and the Rachel's who were, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, so that kind of stuff. Cool. But, uh, yeah, the Godspeed was kind of, they had a lot going on. Also, you know, There's but- some of those like maximal, uh, what explosions yeah. in the sky? I never, we never play with them, but I know some people oh, yeah, like yeah. them, like them. Do you know what I mean? That kind yeah, of like yeah, yeah. wide spectrum, not noise, but like a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's some cool stuff. You yeah, know. yeah. I, I, they, they were good. Um, I like them a little bit. At under in um at Providence College, I was um the music director for our, the college radio station for like two plus years, mm-hmm. and I think that was also a really nice way to um. You yeah. know, I mean, the hundreds of CDs would come each week, 
So every week CDs. it was like Christmas. Yeah. Oh yeah, CDs, yeah. Remember, yeah, yeah. And then you would just, you know, I would like organize them and listen to them and like, you know. It's great. It's basically Spotify pre-Spotify. Yeah. Because I was a, in college, I was a jazz DJ, but okay. we, I was right next to, and I was friends with all the new music DJs. Mm. So you go in there and you have, you have the whole plate, like you have all those CDs to listen to. Yeah. And this is before any streaming. So, you know, it was a way to like, you didn't have to buy it all. Yeah. Remember yeah, when yeah. you had to buy stuff before you could even hear it? Yeah. I mean, album art really was important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that Exactly it was, yeah. Because you look at this cover and you're like, uh, this I is... I got this and that. Sometimes you get something and be like, this is crap. Yeah. But this, the record art sold me on it. But, you yeah, know, yeah. you're stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No returns. I know. Yeah, first impression. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, the, the, the DJ thing. That's mm-hmm. a perk. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but, that, but it was so much fun to discover bands and to be, like, you know, in that... Um, in that like it wasn't like punk but it was um it was in that mentality of like being this like very underground kind of like music scene where you know no one knew any of the like the bands right because it was just they were just all independent it was like very small record labels if not just you know a handful of independent promoters who are just like pushing a few bands yeah so that was really exciting yeah things change so as far as just getting stuff out there yeah um and speaking of that, like, what do you have? So what's going on now? You got to sort of lay out here all the different things, all the different things <laughs> you want people to see your work, how they can see your work, all yeah. the other projects that you're doing. Um, I just, I just came back from, I was just at the Hambage Center in Georgia for residency. Mm-hmm. Um, how long was that? That was, that was three weeks. Um, it was uh, Raven Gap, Georgia, kind of right on the North Carolina border. Um like in the woods, it was so. That's every, deep south. Even though it's not the further the south, south. Yeah, seems. Deep oh south. yeah, I mean there was a you know, um, there was a lot of like Confederate flags everywhere. There's you know Trump flags like left and right. Um, how got, dare they? I'm sorry. <laughs> how dare they? No. What a, there's when Barf. I when I drive yeah. through Pennsylvania to school, there's this one like mobile home that has a huge Trump sign, and it's still there. And I'm like, how at this point? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I know, it's with, a, you know, with, with Sega itself isn't like, um, I mean, it's pretty rural. So yeah. it's, but it's actually like the 2016 election was more so pretty split, um, split between, you know, um, conservative and, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the Hillary and, um, you know, Trump split. Um, but there's still like Trump flags, like not everywhere. But like, if you drive around in the area, for sure, you're you're gonna find some. It's gonna be a real drag when the reelection happens. Ugh, <laughs> God, I'm so sick of him. Do you do that though? Do you just say like, do you just expect the worst? So hopefully the best happens. You know what I mean? Do I, you prepare yourself for the worst? Or are you a diehard optimist? I'm a diehard optimist. See, I I think so. I I really had no uh, like inkling that it was gonna happen. I mean, we we were doing karaoke the night of the election. Oh, no one did though. It was like, it, we were just like celebrating. We're like, this is going to be a thing. This is great. And like in between every like 20 minutes or a few songs, we like turn on like coverage because it was just like, you know, YouTube karaoke. And then, um, you know, they're like, oh, oh my God. You're like, oh shit. Another state. Another state crash. And we're like, yeah. just keep singing. This will be great. It's like an asteroid that just keeps coming closer. It like, kept oh, coming. Man, that's coming at us. Yeah. Well, no one can be surprised if it happens again at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, well, we've sort of dusted off a very ugh. disturbing... I mean, I, I know it's a different time, but when, when I was in a band, we'd drive across the country. You realize 
just how different it is. You know what totally. I mean? Like people who live in the city have no idea what yeah what that's like like what middle America it's a different thing. You know, there's different yeah. sensibilities and you know, when you look at that political map, you can I don't want to make this about politics, but anyways, when you look at that political map mm-hmm. of red and blue and just how separated it is, yeah, yeah. I mean it's pretty stark. Yeah. It's even you know, even being like in Georgia, I mean, it was only three weeks, so I, I can't be like, oh, I know Georgia, because yeah. I don't. Um, but even being in a space where, like, you know, I, um, I don't know, I, I, I get, like, pretty self-conscious, especially going to, um, like, it took me, like, forever to, like, not forever, it took me a while to, like, come out and kind of grapple with, you know, identity yeah. and being okay with that. I mean, now I've been married for, like, three and a half years, so it's... You know, no, no secrets, but it took a while. So um, I say that because if when I go to sometimes when I go to spaces that I'm then not comfortable or, or familiar in, it takes a while to be comfortable and you can kind of feel it in the air like that. There's like this otherness that's that's present, right. you know, even if there's not like, you know, hate flags or even if there's not something that's so overtly anti-gay or anti-queer or whatever yeah you know um so and and hambage was great i mean it was so supportive but it was like you know this isolated little oasis in the woods right and then like just tooling around driving around georgia a little bit like like i went to a flea market and just i don't know i just i just i got so self-conscious and it could just be in my head you know but i, I was like there was like a little buzz in the air where i was like ooh. Yeah, it's like, not a good feeling. Not a, not a good feeling. I um, mean, I, I get that as a straight white male. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I'm outside the city and in, in areas like that where I'm like, I don't know, I feel a little, yeah. you know, and that I'm as, you know, kind of like, you know, it's not, you know what I'm saying? It's totally, not yeah, like yeah. A necessarily, like I don't quote unquote stand out, but I still mm. feel that. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. And, and, you know, and it's like, it's not difficult for me to say that, but it's like, as like, you know, a cis white male, I mean, there's like so much privilege that I have right. to just like be in the world and exist in the world. You yeah. know, obviously there's so many people who are, you know, have larger challenges and difficulties that they face. Right. So like me being slightly uncomfortable and like, you know, in some scenarios, like, isn't the end of the world. Like things are Okay. No, but I think um, it's it actually in a way it's good to feel that because then you have some sort of empathy. It's nowhere near, yeah, you know what other people are going through. But if you just ignore it or like hey, I'm going through life, yay, I don't have to deal with any totally. or feel any inkling of like discomfort or something. I don't think that's good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And no one can expect certain people to feel what it feels like to be other people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? In yeah, other yeah. circumstances, but you know, to be empathetic to that, I think is really important. So. Absolutely. You know, I mean, getting, and that's why I always say I think people who travel are just more informed people who mm-hmm. have a better understanding of culture and people because you're all you're outside your element. If you like the most backwards people, the people who grow up in one place have one ideology or surrounded by those mm-hmm. people, and it's never challenged. Do you know it, what I mean? Yeah, because it's like a very limited and fixed system and ideology. It's, yeah, and it's like if you just know like one thing, like how could that viewpoint? ever be challenged or like right. negotiated yeah and when, you know if you're just navigating this the same space all the time like that's like a comfortable territory yeah um yeah so it's it's um i mean i i ultimately hope then like my work can like kind of create uncomfortable ish spaces and right. spaces that are kind of like you know maybe challenging these 
traditional spaces or, um, you know, um, there's, there's this book cruising utopia mm-hmm. from I'm blanking on this dude's name, Jose Esteban Munez. Let's go with that. Sounds good. Great. Um, we'll edit that in if it's in. <laughs> yeah. Insert. <laughs> It'll be my voice. Yeah. Yeah. Insert. <laughs> Munez. Um, just Google the, yeah. the title of the book. Yeah. It's definitely cruising utopia, but talking about like this, like, um, queer futuristic space, but, um, but how like queerness is uh, like on a different timeline. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily something that's rooted in the present because it's, you're constantly grappling, grappling with both the present and the past. And it's this simultaneous grasping of, um, numerous times in numerous places. That's the gist. I'm probably like butchering that completely. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that like my work, especially, you know, this, this recent work where I'm kind of, thinking more about like queer spaces and like queer landscapes that there is like these like in between spaces that that are simultaneously more than one thing and you can kind of go back and forth between numerous realities or identities or perspectives right so it's like things seem seemingly sound at first or like this puzzle piece is correct and then um Hopefully at some point it's just, you know, things slowly unravel and, you know, what you, what you thought was, um, sound, what you thought was like, um, the, the logic in there is way different or warped or a diff- on a different plane than you, you know, might've realized. Right. Which is kind of like what we need to do is just like break down. Cause yeah. really all these, most of the borders that we put around things or definitions or labels or restrictions or yeah. which are just built like, you know, through society or culture or whatever over time or whatever. But then you just trying to break those things down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, Cause really there are no definitions or yeah. Yeah. Hard lines of like what, who, what, you know? Oh yeah. Everyone's it's just like a, a slightly different amount <laughs> of whatever is their makeup mm-hmm. or, you know, a slightly different shade of color of skin or a slightly different class or yeah, yeah. whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's just, we, we kind of, I think, build definitions and structures to in a convenience in a way, which sometimes works in society. And a lot of times it creates Mm -hmm. difficulty. Totally. That we end up having to tear back down. Yeah. It's like the tower of Babel. Anyways, that went from what residency you were in (laughs) to that. That was good. That was a good tangent. Yeah. That was a, yeah. But so you did a Georgia residency. I'm sorry. We did a Georgia residency. Georgia Georgia residency. Um, yeah. What else is going on? Um, so I'm headed to, um, I have a group show at the end of the month, opening January 31st mm-hmm. at Collarworks up in Troy, New York. Okay. Do you know them? The, I, kn- I don't know Collarworks, but no, the, been to Troy. Okay. Um, it's a great organization. They now um, are also um, took over. They're sponsoring the Elizabeth Murray residency, oh, nice. which I did this past July for two weeks. Boy, you are a grizzled veteran of residencies and like these. <laughs> I mean, you've really done... I've done a, a fair share. I've done a few. I mean, I'm like in it full time, you know? Yeah. So it's really nice to be able to then. Well, I'm sure you know the process. Yeah. Of like of just the whole culture of that. Oh yeah. 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 Because you were talking about like the difficulty of breaking your studio space up or like moving, but, but you've obviously you're flexible in the sense that, yeah, yeah. you know, you've done these different things in different, I mean, those are diverse, different places like Georgia and then, you know, it must be great for the work too of just I, constantly changing and you know, moving around. 
I, I think so. Yeah. I think like residencies for me have been so pivotal to really, yeah. Um, re yeah. Renegotiate the work and like what I want to say and make it more ideally make it more specific, more personal, more vulnerable, but like open those spaces. Yeah. And I, um, I usually have like a pretty messy studio. And so when I go to residencies, it's so nice to like, here's this new space, you know, you know, you're going to do some of your old tricks, but at least like you're in a new space that's going to dictate some things that are kind of beyond your control. Yeah. It's like staying in a hotel. It's yeah. kind of nice to just have a different clean room. And, yeah. For, for mental health, for like yeah. all the things, just like here's a new environment and here's a new challenge. I mean, right. that's, that's why also like, you know, I guess my final plug for a egg project is like, it's such a supportive community and you're, you know, you're in this environment where it's just like fostering creativity. Yeah. You know, that's like, I think that's why everyone becomes like jazzed about residency programs, like in general, you know. And you bring good visitors. So people should yep. apply is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> people should come. They should be my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, we, we, we bring great um, visiting artists and critics, like two or three people per month. And so you kind of get that active dialogue and an active community. Yeah. And the train um, station's right there, right? Train's right there. So like two hours and 10 minutes, you're like in Grand Central or you're in Wasaic because it's the last stop. Yeah. So it's like pass down the train. Train's, it's literally right there. The literally right there. Yeah. So you just like fall asleep, get you know, a stranger to wake you up and you're like in the, you know, in, in the hills, like, you know, our, there's a lot of farms or goats. It's like, you know, goats. Who doesn't like a goat? Yeah. Two hours out of the city. I know. Um, a, I, I live by Cooper Park here and right over here. And there's okay. someone has a goat or two. And oh, yeah. And over to the park to just feed. So for those of you who Crazy. really can't make it to Wasay in the next <laughs> week or two. Yeah, yeah. Go to Cooper <laughs> Park. East yeah. Williamsburg. You can find, it's so random. Crazy. But it's fun. That's insane. So you have goats. You have nature. We, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So and so I'll be in um, the show in Collar Works at the end of January. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a four-person show with... Uh, Burley Brown, whose work I don't really know. Um, Esther Ruiz, who was actually a studio mate of mine for like a year or so in Bushwick. Mm -hmm. And then Mark Joshua Epstein, who's a good friend. And we've um, collaborated in the past as well, Mm -hmm. both curatorially and with some site like responsive works. Um, So we're, Mark and I are each going to show some um, individual like separate paintings. And then we're going to take over like two or three walls in the space and just do some site um, sensitive or site responsive paintings nice and they're kind of just like elizabeth uh, dubbin who runs color works is phenomenal and she's just like yeah like go to town sounds good yeah so i'm i'm, I'm excited for that well visually people can see your work on the website and yeah. social media like what are the yeah i'm now i'm like brainwashed on instagram so um instagram's happening it's just um will hutnick just my name website's pretty up to date i'd say it's like pretty consistent um, but yeah, I think that's, those are probably the best places to, to find me. Look, the, the time, the, the distance you went with the flip phone is admirable. <laughs> it was a, it's a good run. Oh my God. <clears throat> it was in my flip phone finally broke because I dropped it, you know, someplace. And I remember going to on Myrtle, there's like a Verizon spot in like Clinton Hill. And I was like, okay, I just need to get it, you know, a new flip phone. And like what? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the time prior, he like dug open his desk found like an old one that was like a model and he was like do you want this one and i was like oh perfect save my life <laughs> we'll give you twenty dollars to take this yeah. well so, so then the second time it happened and um or it was like you know that 
eighth time it happened, but then yeah. the the most recent one, the guy was like, "No." He's like, "Well, you're due for an upgrade <laughs> because it's 2000 what, you know, 14 or whatever, 15." He's like, "Here's your free iPhone." Right. Our upgrades don't fold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh my god." I was like, "I can't even turn this on." I was like, "What's I mean, so n- now I'm at least decent, competent to turn it on and to be on social media. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like you're doing a good job. Okay. <laughs> I try. That's that's like one base of technology, which uh, I got got in my belt. Cool. Well, uh, it was great talking. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. This sure is uh, such a you know great opportunity, and um, I'm so grateful for it. I've been such a fan of your uh, podcast for a while. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thank you for having me.